If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word, it's the book of Philemon, the entire book. I gotta give him a hard time. Okay. Paul, oh, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, fellow, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness may not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand, I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Ephorus, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Those Greek names can be tough, I know. He did pretty good. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and beginning in verse 1. says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. 
You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for the gifts you've given us. And Lord, above all, I thank you for the gift of your church. Lord, I thank you for the gift of this congregation. Pray that I would never take it for granted. Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves before you today. Pray, Lord, as we look at this idea of of gifts, that we would have a right perspective this morning. In your name, amen. We're finishing up a series on meaningful membership. Uh, We've been talking, this is our 11th sermon in this series, and it is our last sermon in this series on what does the Bible say about what church membership should look like in a congregation. Um, These last uh, this, the last six sermons have, uh, have drawn heavily from and, and kind of gotten their launching point, um, not only from Scripture, but also from a book called I Am a Church Member, also by Tom Rainer. Uh, that book is right up here on the front, on the, on the, on the table up here. Uh, if you'd like a copy of that book, feel free to grab it. It's a short read. It literally took me about an hour to read it, so it's, it's, not, it's not a long read at all, and it's an excellent, excellent book. Okay, fine. Bree's like, ooh, took you an hour. Yeah. Um, Right, right. For Wayne, it's six weeks, but, uh, you know, uh, anyway. Uh, so um, I, I do encourage you, grab a copy of that book. They're free. To just go ahead and grab one, um, and, uh, and it will uh, greatly enrich you and help you uh, under, and understand Scripture on these issues. Um, I do want to uh, also give you all a heads up. So next week, again, uh, granted that I'm not in a hospital, um, with, a, with a new baby. Uh, next week, we'll be starting a sermon series through the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Now, this does not mean we're going to take the next five years to do Genesis through Deuteronomy, at least I hope. Mike's like, come on, man. Um, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping to get more broad spectrum, kind of, t- kind of get the, get the, get the high, high ground. It's going to be slow at first, but that's because there's a lot going on in the first several chapters of Genesis. Uh, but that'll give us a really good launching point. to What we really want to do is we look through Genesis to Deuteronomy just to kind of whet your appetite. As, as, uh, if I was to give a title to the series as a whole, this really is the introduction of who God is to the world. This is the inspired word of God, the very 
first books that were written, uh, the, the first written record, written documents about who God is. So I would, if I was to give the sermon series a title, I would call it Behold Your God. If we want to know what God is like, that's where we start, where Scripture starts. So I want to whet your appetite for that, and next week we'll begin in Genesis uh, chapter 1 and, and start there. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do among us. I'm looking forward to what we're going to learn together as we walk through that passage. Today we're in our last, again, we're in our last uh, message on meaningful membership. And this, uh, today's is called, I will treasure church membership as a gift. Oh, treasure church membership as a gift. Now, do you remember as a kid... Waking up on Christmas morning, were you, ever, were you like, oh, how do I wake up in the morning today? No, Christmas, right? This is, when I was a kid, it was running to my parents' room, like, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, bouncing on their bed and trying to wake them up because I'm up before they are, and now you need to get up because I want to get under that tree, right? Why? Because there's presents there, right? We get excited about that. Same on birthdays when you were a kid, maybe even still today. You still get excited. It's my birthday. I'm getting presents today. Rudine, I'm sure that's exactly what you thought waking up this morning, right? She's sitting there, no, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a little bit there. Let's not let her fool us too much. No, uh, we get excited because gifts are exciting, right? We love gifts. We treasure gifts. Father's Day is coming up soon. I'm hoping to get a gift, right? No pressure, Charity. Uh, <laughs> But again, that's why, why is Father's Day so exciting? I'm a father now. I get to join in the celebration, right? So, I'm, uh, you know, so again, we, we love the idea of gifts. Who doesn't like receiving presents? Who doesn't like gifts? We treasure them. They're wonderful. Especially the older you get, the more you appreciate the gifts you receive. They become that much more meaningful. Do we earn these gifts? Christmas morning when you woke up and you went to under the tree, did your parents say, now? You can have this gift at the end of the year when you've done all this stuff. Of course not, right? It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. It's just given to you. It's freely given and freely received. And they're received joyfully and given joyfully. Let me ask you, do you understand church membership as a kind of status symbol or as a gift? Do you understand, maybe, maybe not as a member of this church, but do you understand church membership in general? Like membership at some kind of a club where it means you get to sit back and be served? Or do you treasure church membership as something to be valued, even treasured? And how can you tell the difference? How can you tell the difference on where you stand on this issue? Now, if you understand Church membership is some kind of mere human institution, something made up by people or, or some kind of club where your attendance and your tithe buys you rights and privileges. You may conclude that a church service must meet your requirements and that the church must meet your needs. The sermon needs to fit your preferred length of time. The sermon must be to your liking. The music must fit your style. The programs and ministries must be to your benefit. And any deviation from that is unacceptable. When asked to serve, you may oblige out of some kind of legalistic duty. But whatever the case, you may not really want to do it. 
sure I'll do it. I'll, I'll help in VBS if, if I have to, if nobody else will do it. I don't really want to. Tell Liz that and have, see how she looks at you. Church membership, after all, is not about working in that kind of a mentality. It's about being served. Maybe if someone asked you to serve, you would just get mad. You want me to do what? How dare you? If that's your view of church membership, you likely view church membership as nothing more than belonging to some kind of a club. I pray that none of us fit that category. Such a category is unthinkable to Scripture. Rather, Scripture views church membership as a gift. Biblical church membership means that we have been given the glorious opportunity to serve and to give. Serving and giving is not a burden, but it's a gift from God. In biblical church membership, each member works together with joyful hearts to see God's glory spread throughout the community with the gospel. Each member works together to give of our time and resources to serve and love one another and those to whom uh, we are called to serve with joy. So how can we understand and value church membership the way that scripture describes? If you remember back to our passage we read at the beginning, it talks about how all sorts of different kinds of people are needed for a church to function. There's no there's no, uh, there's no place in here where it says, well, we don't need this kind of people. We don't need that kind of group. We can do without those group, groups. In fact, it, what Scripture says is that we need all of it. Every single person is necessary to the life of a church. How can we understand and value church membership the way Scripture does? First of all, in your outline, we must have the right perspective of church membership. We must have the right perspective of church membership. Again, whether you're a member here or not, how do you think about church membership in general? Uh, we must have the right perspective of what church membership is. In order to have the right perspective of church membership, we must first understand the gift of salvation. We cannot understand the gift of church membership unless we understand our own salvation. At 11 years old, I'd pretty much grown up in church. I attended our church's Awana program on Wednesday nights by choice. I, I actually chose Awana over Cub Scouts in, in the third grade, around the third grade, because of the biblical focus of Awana. That's what I wanted. I learned and memorized Bible verses, but I was still lost as lost could be. I was making those kind of decisions, but I still did not know Christ as my Savior. I went to children's retreats with our church. I heard the gospel over and over and over and over. And I knew the Lord was convicting me of my sin and calling me to salvation. And because I had memorized these verses, I knew that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not only that, I also knew that no one deserves salvation because of our, because of our sin, everyone deserves death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as I continue to hear the gospel in those early years of my life, I learned that Jesus took the punishment that I deserved on the cross. He was my substitute when he died on that cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one, that is Christ, who did not know sin to be sin 
for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He's my substitute. And one snowy day in January of 1997, more than 21 years ago, I repented of my sin, placed my faith in Christ, and surrendered the will of my life to his will. Whatever that would mean. And God did for me what's described in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. It says, therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. That seasons of refreshing may come for the presence of the Lord. You see, when we repent of our sins and place our faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the gift of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 makes this clear. For by grace you have saved been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Nothing I did could possibly earn the gift of salvation. The Bible repeatedly talks about our salvation. It is Christ's work on the cross and his resurrection. The Bible continually describes that work as a gift to us. We cannot earn salvation. Let me repeat that. You could never, ever do enough to earn your salvation. There is no checklist that you can fill out to earn salvation. You could not do enough good works for God to say, all right, you're good now. It's not possible. It's not possible for me. It's not possible for you. Salvation must be a gift. And praise the Lord that it is a gift. But in order to understand church membership as a a gift, we not only need to see salvation as a gift, but we also need to see the church itself as a gift. When we receive the gift of salvation, we become a part of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, in verses 27 and 28, after Paul describes these, these, these spiritual gifts and, and the, 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 um, the, uh, the one body with many members that is the church, the end of this, in verse 20, uh, 27, he says, Now you are all, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. And he lists groups of people that God has put in the church. Because of your salvation, you are a part of the body of Christ and a member of it. And God has put you in church. Did you you catch that? Did you catch that in here? Our, Our salvation, not only did we receive the free gift of salvation, forgiveness of sins, adoption into the family of God, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, these are all gifts that we receive at salvation. But we also become a part of the body of Christ. Membership in the body of Christ, the church, is a gift from God. The church is not man's idea. The church is God's idea. Membership is not a legalistic obligation, a club perk, or a license for entitlements. It's a gift, a gift from God, a gift that we should treasure with great joy and anticipation. Let me ask you, 
do you have the right perspective when it comes to what church membership is? Do you see church membership as a gift? Secondly, this morning in your outline, we must understand the value of the local church. We must understand the value of the local church. Now, at this point, you might be asking yourself, or you might be thinking to yourself, what in the world does understanding salvation in the church as a gift have to anything to do with church membership? How do those connect? What is this doing? How, where, where are you going, pastor? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, these gifts have nothing to do with the local church. These gifts have to do with the universal church. Now, in order to understand church membership as a gift and to see the connection between the gift of our salvation and the gift of the church to our church membership, our second point this morning is that we need to understand the value of the local church. If you aren't sure what the difference is between the universal and local church is, let me, let me help you out this morning. I understand that not everyone has been to seminary, not everyone's read a whole bunch of books, and I get that and I understand that. So you may be unfamiliar with this, this language of the universal and local church. The universal church sometimes is called the invisible church. It, th that, that group is all believers everywhere and throughout all time. So the universal church is every believer everywhere that's ever existed throughout all time. The universal church is the group that one day will be, vi will be visible in heaven. It's not visible yet. It will one day be visible in heaven when we worship before the throne for all eternity. If you are a believer, you are a part of the universal church. Every single believer is a part of the universal church. On the other hand, we may define the local church as some believers somewhere. The universal church is all believers everywhere. The, universal, the local church is some believers somewhere. Right? It's a, it's a, a local church is sometimes called the visible church. That's the gathered group of believers in a particular location. First Baptist Church of Gordon is a local church. It is a gathered group of this visible group of believers somewhere, that is Gordon, Texas. It would seem then, if we're thinking about this, that the universal church, since that's the one that's going to be gathered before the throne, that that's got to be much more important, right? Right? I mean, I mean, if that's going to be the one that stands for all eternity, isn't that, I mean, to some extent, yes, all right? The, about, about the universal church, it said, the scripture tells us that the universal ch church, the gathered group of be all believers from all of time will stand before the Lord for all eternity. And it also says that the gates of hell will not prevail against her. There is an element, yes, where the universal church does have a level of importance. But actually, the two are not mutually exclusive. Sometimes when we make this definition, we separate them too far from one another as if one has nothing to do with the other. The local church ought to consist of people who are a part of the universal church. These are not mutually exclusive ideas. They are, in fact, interconnected. The local church consists of people who are a part of the universal church, or at least ought to be. In fact, the majority of the New Testament is written about and to local churches. Just look at the names of the books. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Romans. 
These are books written to particular churches. Now, yes, they have application. They are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we get to read them. We can benefit from them. And we can learn from them about what God wants for our church. But these are two, these were originally written to specific local churches. John Hammett describes and demonstrates how the Greek word translated church is used 13 times to describe the universal church, while it is used 90 times to describe the local church or local churches. The Greek word that means church is used far and above more to describe the local church than the universal church. Throughout the New Testament, people who are believers or members of the universal church are found to be connected to local churches. You don't see a separation there. There is no concept in the New Testament of a believer that is disconnected from a local church. You don't find that. The Bible is clear. that we are to walk, If we are to walk in obedience, that we must be connected to a specific church in a specific context. The only exception we see in the New Testament is on frontier missions type scenarios. Where someone is the first believer from a particular area. Yes, there's not a local church there. There's only one believer there, right? Hopefully the, a gathered group of believers will eventually develop. And oftentimes and every time in the New Testament does. To the best of what we know. So the Bible is clear that if we are to walk in obedience to the gospel, to scripture, we must be connected to a specific church in a specific context. Why? Why would the Bible make that be so important? If the universal church is the only part that's going to be in eternal, why in the world would he make a local church so important? Why? What's God thinking? Why? Because the local church is God's plan A for reaching the nations with the gospel. And there is no plan B. The local church is God's plan A for reaching the nations with the gospel and there is no plan B. There's not an alternate route that God has for reaching the nations with the gospel. God has put all of his proverbial chips in the pot of the local church. The local church is valuable to God and it ought to be valued by us. If we devalue and deprioritize the local church, we are devaluing something that God has called valuable. So, we must value the local church. And we must understand its value if we are to see church membership as a gift. So I ask you, do you understand the value of the local church? Do you value what God values? Third this morning. We must have a grateful appreciation for the local church and a passion for serving in its ministry. We must have a grateful appreciation for the local church and a passion for serving in its ministry. Tom Rayner writes, church membership is a gift. A gift must be be treasured. It should not be taken for granted or considered lightly. Because it is a gift, we must always be thankful for it. And when we are thankful for something, we have less time and energy to be negative about that thing. 
at Christmas, when I receive gifts, I naturally want to respond with appreciation to the giver. When I consider my salvation, I naturally want to respond to the giver of my salvation. Service to God is the natural outflow of the joy of our salvation and is the consequent and, and, that, and the consequent joy of our church membership. We find joy in, our, in church membership when we find satisfaction in service to God. We consider it a privilege to serve the king. So we look for those opportunities at the churches where we serve. Church membership gives us one another's through which we might fulfill the biblical commands to love one another and to serve one another. Church membership also defines a community of people we are called to love and serve through sharing the gospel. I no longer have to wonder about who God has called me to serve and share Christ with. I have an address that defines a group, uh, defines one group for certain. I no longer have to wonder which one another's I am to pray for, that I am to love and forgive and to be unified to. That is defined for me by the gift of church membership in a local church. The people in my local church are not perfect, so neither am I. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm a hypocrite. Some of you are hypocrites, right? <laughs> Mike, I know I'm just <laughs> we're not perfect I'm not perfect you're not perfect I'm a hypocrite you're a hypocrite when lost people say about the church well that place is just full of hypocrites yep it's true and if you join us you'll be one too cool right we get to be a bunch of hypocrites just loving Jesus together and hopefully the Lord will continue to remove our hypocrisy from us. But because of the abundant joy that I receive from the gift of salvation, I can serve other church members and the community around me with the same joy. Healthy church membership means that you find your joy in being last instead of seeking your way and being first. In Matthew chapter 20, some of Jesus' disciples wanted to be first. If you remember the story, their mother came, right? They weren't even bold enough to go and ask Jesus themselves. They sent their mom, right? Mom, can you go ask Jesus this question for me? All right, now Jesus. They asked their mom, their mother asked Jesus, if their sons could be in the seats next to Jesus in, their, in the kingdom, can my sons have the best seats in the kingdom? Can one sit on your right hand and one on your left? After Jesus rebukes these disciples for their request, he tells them this in verses 26 and 27 of Matthew chapter 20. He says, it, is, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If church membership is a gift, and we respond to gifts with gratitude, then one way to express our gratitude is to serve like Jesus did and like he told us to do. 
a healthy church member because they see their membership as a gift, will choose to serve and to be last, not seek their own benefits. How about you? Do you see church membership as a gift? Do you have a passion for serving in, in the ministry of the local church? Or are you merely consuming? Will you change your perspective? Change your values and priorities? And respond to the gift of church membership with grateful appreciation and serve King Jesus through the local church? What will you do? So we come to this brief time of invitation before we do the Lord's Supper. Two major areas. I guess three. One, if you're here today and you're not a believer, the gospel has been clear of what Christ has done for us. Will you respond to the gospel? Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose from the dead to save you from your sin. Will you accept that gift of salvation? Will you surrender to that gift of salvation? Will you trust the Lord for that salvation? Secondly, if there's something the Holy Spirit's dealing with you on, I, I can't claim to be the Holy Spirit in your life. If there's some way, any way through this message that God has been using to, to share something and, and, and work on your heart, will you respond as the Holy Spirit has called you to? And third, our sixth pledge. Each of these six sermons through this book have, have, have had, ended with a pledge. That if I'm going to be a church member, if I'm going to be a healthy church member, this is a pledge that I would make. Here's our sixth pledge today. Would you pledge this today? If you are a member of our church or if you are uh, a member of another church, will you make this pledge? It says, I am a church member. This membership is a gift. When I received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I became a part of the body of Christ. I soon therefore, thereafter identified with a local church and was baptized. And I, I am humbled and honored to serve and to love others in our church. I pray that I will never take my membership for granted, but see it as a gift and an opportunity to serve others and to be a part of something much greater than any one person or member. How will you respond? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. God, I pray during this invitation that you would humble us before you, starting with me. Lord, help me to view church membership as a gift. Help me to view the ministries here as an opportunity to worship and serve you out of gratitude for your salvation that you've given me. Lord, I pray you'd help each of us to grow in these areas.